Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today is November 26, 2019, heading into our Thanksgiving week slash weekend. Welcome to an episode of the Overlook podcast. Figured I would take and get an episode here out of the way with some news, considering I'm going to be working some 10 to 12 hour shifts over the next week. And, uh, Today's the only opportunity, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of putting off uh, some stuff I got to get done, but it'll get done either way. So uh, let's go to a uh, quick article here from uh, the Epic Times or Epoch Times. I think it's Epoch. Once again, not sure. Um, this article is titled, Trump Donates Third Quarter Salary to Help in Fight Against the Opioid Crisis. Opioid Crisis. Sorry. President Donald Trump is donating his third quarter salary to help combat the nationwide opioid epidemic. White House official said on November 26th that Trump has given the $100,000 salary he would be paid for the quarter to the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health. The office oversees federal public health offices and programs, including the Surgeon General's office. The White House said the funds are being earmarked to continue the ongoing fight against the opioid crisis. Trump has made tackling the misuse of opioids a administration priority. More than 70,000 Americans died in 2017 from drug overdoses, 192 a day, the bulk of them involving opioids. Trump has said his brother Fred Trump's experience with alcoholism has helped him drive the fight against the opioid crisis. I had a brother, Fred, great guy, best looking guy, best personality, much better than mine, Trump said during a speech in 2017. But he had a problem. He had a problem with alcohol. He said Fred would tell him, don't drink, don't ever drink. And thus, he has never had a drink. The law requires that Trump Trump be paid, but he has vowed to donate his salary to various causes throughout his administration. Trump said in September he was donating his second quarter salary to support U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams' efforts to raise awareness of the harmful effects marijuana has on youth and pregnant women. I don't know so much about that. But Trump donated $1,000 to the Department of Homeland Security in March, writing in a statement, while the press doesn't like writing about it, nor do I need them to do so, I donated my yearly presidential salary of $400,000 to different agencies throughout the year, this to Homeland Security. Wondering if that $1,000 is actually $100,000. In January, Trump donated his salary from the third quarter of 2018 to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. The Institute is part of the National Institutes of Health. On its website, the Institute is described as the lead agency for U.S. research on alcohol use disorder and other health and developmental effects of alcohol use. Trump also previously gave a quarter of his yearly salary towards fighting the opioid crisis. The $100,000 was given to Health and Human Services in January of 2018. The president is personally dedicated to defeating the crisis because addiction hits home for so many of us. Hargan, Eric Hargan, who is the acting secretary of health, uh, said at the time, You heard him share his story in his opioid speech about how he lost his own brother to alcoholism and speaking personally, opioid addiction has been a presence in my hometown, in my family for years. Just one of the many things that you are not going to hear on the regular news.
Also being reported from the Epoch Times, uh, headline reads, FBI lawyer referred for criminal prosecution by Horowitz was primary FBI attorney on Trump-Russia case. A former FBI attorney reportedly referred for criminal, criminal prosecution by Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz for allegedly altering an email connected to the surveillance warrant on Trump campaign advisor Carter Page was assigned in early 2017 as, quote, the primary FBI attorney assigned, unquote, to the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into alleged Russia election interference. The lawyer who has been identified as Kevin Kleinsmith in media reports had been incorrectly portrayed by many members of the media as a low-level or junior member of the FBI's legal team. Now, this terminology of low-level is very important uh, because the media is going to sit out there and portray these people as people who are not really involved in anything and are more like a clerical uh, member of these teams. Um, I think all of that is a distraction from some of the bigger names that are going to be in this Inspector General report when that does drop, uh, which is expected, I believe, on the 9th of December. Um, so it's important to keep that in mind that there will be some of this quote-unquote low-hanging fruit or low-level uh, officials uh, that I think are going to take the most, most of the blame from the media. Uh, it continues as text messages obtained by Horowitz covered in a June 2018 report showed that Kleinsmith had a strong bias against Trump texting, quote, Viva la resistance following Trump's election, as well as, quote, my goddamn name is all over the legal documents investigating his stuff. Kleinsmith worked on both the Hillary Clinton email probe and the Trump Russia investigation. He would also later become a member of special counsel Robert Mueller's team and was one of the FBI officials along with FBI agent Peter Strzok who was removed by Mueller after Horowitz discovered FBI text messages expressing political bias against Trump. Remember, low level. The New York Times reported on November 22nd that Klein Smith was removed from the special counsel's Russia investigation on February 2018 and resigned from the FBI about two months ago. Klein Smith has reportedly been referred for criminal prosecution by Horowitz for altering an email that officials used to prepare to seek court approval to renew the wiretap, also known as the FISA renewal, on Carter Page, uh, the New York Times has been reporting. The Department of Justice obtained an initial FISA warrant on Page on October 21st, 2016, along with three subsequent renewals, with the final FISA warrant expiring on September 2017. According to the New York Times article, the paperwork associated with the renewal applications contained information that should have been left out and vice versa. Kleinsmith reportedly altered an email that was a factor during the wiretap renewal process. This is kind of underhanded, so if, listen to this. Kleinsmith allegedly took an email from an official at another federal agency that had contained several factual assertions, then added material to the bottom that looked like another assertion from the email's author when in fact it was instead his own understanding. The altered email was then included in a package that was prepared for another FBI official to read in preparation for signing an affidavit to be submitted to the FISA court attesting to the facts and analysis in the application. The IG's findings regarding Kleinsmith's email alteration have reportedly been sent to John Durham, the federal prosecutor assigned by Attorney General William Barr, to examine the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia investigation. The finding may 
may have formed a partial basis for the elevation of Durham's investigation to a criminal investigation from an administrative review. The New York Times has also noted that the specific details of the email are apparently classified and may not actually be public, be made public when the inspector general releases his report, like I said, on December 9th. So, like I said, keep an eye out for this. Keep an eye out for that keyword of low level. But more importantly, keep an eye out for the other names. Those other names are just as important and just as culpable. Our next article comes by the way of the Gateway Pundit. And the headline reads, report, Obama told a Democratic candidate that Joe Biden, quote, really doesn't have, unquote, what it takes to win the White House. Not surprising since President, oh, former President Obama has not officially endorsed anyone. The article reads, Barack Obama reportedly told a Democratic candidate recently that Joe Biden really doesn't have a connection with American voters. Obama pulled Joe Biden out of the trash heap to serve as his vice president for eight years, and Barack Obama has not endorsed him. I don't know about the trash heap thing. Either way, Joe Biden, 77, has been getting clobbered by the conservative media since he announced his 2020 bid for the White House over his crooked son Hunter's pay-to-play scheme in Ukraine. Biden is running against Donald Trump, a man who voters chose to elect as a direct repudiation of the anti-American far-left Obama-Biden machine. Biden, apparently according to the Gateway Pundit, has no self-awareness. Obama reportedly met with Democratic candidates at a donor event in D.C. and said Biden just doesn't have it. Quote, sometimes he offers candid advice about his visitors' strengths and weaknesses with several lesser-known candidates. According to people who have talked to him or have been briefed on his meetings, he was very blunt, speaking of Obama, about the challenges of breaking out of a large field. His advice is not always heeded. He also, he told uh, Patrick, and this is from Ryan Lizza of Politico, he told Patrick early this year that it was likely too late for him to secure money and talent if he jumped in the race. Occasionally, he can be cutting. With one candidate, he pointed out that during his own 2008 campaign, he had an intimate bond with the electorate, especially in Iowa, that he no longer has. Then he added, and you know who really doesn't have it? Joe Biden. Barack Obama's words. And Ryan Lizza also reported that many 2020 Democratic hopefuls have met with Barack Obama over the last several, several few months, but Joe Biden was not one of them. Last week, one of Biden's senior Latina advisors, I don't know why we need to say that, quit out of frustration with friends saying she thought Biden's camp was too focused on white and black voters. Biden recently hinted at a female vice president, but couldn't remember any prospects' names. That's interesting. Three Senate committees are now investigating Hunter Biden for making millions of dollars sitting on the board of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian natural gas company. That I, you know, I believe is is a completely separate issue, um, which you know has been covered. I don't think anything's going to come up Burisma, and I don't think that has anything to do with this article on Joe Biden's lack of charisma, if you want to put it with voters. I think his, you know, the friendly way of putting it, his gaffes, I think, have sunk him. I don't think that uh, 
he can get past those. I mean, age is a factor at this point for Mr. Biden. Our next article is coming from the Daily Caller. Uh, it is titled, CNN's Reliable Sources Guest Warns Viewers That Trump Supporters Are Part of a, quote, Destructive Cult, Destroying Everything That They Have in Front of Them. CNN's Reliable Sources host, Brian Stetler, Stetler, Stelter, Stelter, I think it's Stelter. Either way, he looks, he looks like um, George Costanza without uh, glasses told viewers on Sunday that people calling President Donald Trump a cult leader are popping up more and more. Stelter began by noting that Trump critics like former CBS anchor Dan Rather and former Trump communications director Anthony Scaramucci have sounded the alarm bells about the president's supposed psychotic issues, but then brought in mental health counselor Stephen Hassan, the author of, quote, Cult of Trump. What a book title. Who ended up saying that Trump supporters were part of a destructive cult. Hassan says the escaped, he escaped the Unification Church, a religious cult also known as the Moonies, almost 50 years ago, and now considers people who support Trump to be in the same sort of cult. Quote, so I, so I define a destructive cult as an authoritarian pyramid-structured group with someone at the top who claims to have total power and total wisdom that uses the deception and control to make people loyal and dependent and obedient followers, Hassan said, noting that there can be both healthy and destructive cults. The author considers Trump to be the leader of a destructive cult where, quote, people are being fed propaganda and they're not being encouraged to think for themselves. They're not being encouraged to really explore and look at the details and arrive at their own conclusion. Hassan singled out emotionally driven, loaded words, thought-stopping and thought-terminating type cliches like fake news or build the wall or make America great again. Stelter asked, you say the president is using mind control, but how is that provable? Hassan said, so we can start with this pathological lying, which is characteristic of destructive cult leaders, saying things in a very confident way that have nothing to do with facts or truthfulness the blaming others and never taking responsibility for his own failures and faults, shunning and kicking out anyone who raises questions or concerns about his own behavior. Stelter agreed that Hassan's prognosis was sobering. Quote, it is frightening to hear a cult expert say that you see all of these signs right now, today, in American politics. But Hassan suggested there was hope for America. And that could come this coming Thanksgiving weekend. He says, quote, but wake up. The first step with anyone who's a true believer is contact with people that are outside the bubble. Cult leaders want to isolate their people. They want family and friends to just disappear rather than keep engaged. Hey, did you read this article? What do you think of it? You know, I'll watch one of your shows, watch one of my shows. In other words, appealing to the person's true self, their authentic self that wants to be a good person, that wants, that believes in America and democracy and truth. Stelter asked, for the people who are dreading Thanksgiving, you're saying it's an opportunity to get together. He says, exactly. Let's, we're family. 
We're friends. Let's talk. And you know, truth will win out. So I really wish this was an Onion article. I really wish this is not how people feel, but unfortunately, that is the case. Um, there is, you know, we we're speaking. They're speaking in the other article about Joe Biden's self awareness, and you know what? This is this is the same exact thing. These people are not self aware that they are part of the problem. I don't know how many times we're going to take and point out news articles that are patently false that have no basis in truth whatsoever, where media outlets are taking and putting footage of one thing and then putting a tag on it and saying it's something else. And a good place to look is Project Veritas and everything that James O'Keefe has done. And take one look at the information he put out about CNN and how Jeff Zucker is framing the narrative at a media outlet that is claiming that what they're saying is true when in fact it is 100% opinion. And the final article is going to be coming from Louder with Crowder. I love some Steven Crowder. Um, I love his spin on things. He's a funny guy. Um, so take that for what it is. But this article is titled, House Democrat Flips Sees No Value to Impeachment. What a surprise. They're trying to save their careers. Adam must really feel like a steamy pile of shit. My dude had one shot to make impeachment stick, and he couldn't even do that right. Now, even liberal members of his caucus see no value to impeaching President Trump. Michigan Democratic Representative Brenda Lawrence, a prominent supporter of Kamala Harris, boo, who has previously supported the impeachment inquiry into President Trump, abruptly announced Sunday that she no longer saw any value in the process and called for her fellow Democrats to throw her, their support behind a symbolic censure resolution. Could this possibly be because the polling shows many Americans think the impeachment circus is nothing but a ruse? Lawrence's about face came as polls have shown that independents are scouring, scouring, sorry, souring, I don't know, there's no C in there, on the idea of impeaching and removing Trump from office, including in critical battleground states like Wisconsin, even as House Democrats aggressively presented their poll-tested bribery case against the president over the past two weeks. I love how, how they uh, changed the, uh, the type of crime three different times. That falling thing heading right towards the Democrats and their re-election efforts is what we commonly refer to as the other shoe. It's big, it's stinky, and it's coming in hot. We are so close to an election, I will tell you, sitting here knowing how divided this country is, I don't see the value of taking him out of office. But I do see the value of putting down a marker saying his behavior is not acceptable. Representative Shifty McShitface obviously listens to too much REO Speedwagon. You can't impeach someone because you heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another that Trump quid pro quoed the Ukraine. I don't care if you think that's too boomer of a reference, but it's a solid reference. Dare you not to sing, it along, sing along to it. Double dare you 
not to get that song stuck in your head for the rest of the week until radio stations pollute the airwaves with Feliz Navidad. I'm beginning to think Donald Trump could very well get away with shooting someone in the middle of Times Square. If Democrats were the ones investigating the incident, they would they would find a way to screw it up and or overreach by blaming it on Russia. It's remarkable how much of the president's success can be drawn in correlation over how grossly inept and incompetent his opponents are. The same opponents who think they'd be better at running the asylum. So unfortunately, I think they're still going to take and push ahead with impeachment. I would hope that at this point they could see it as a loss for them. Otherwise, it's going to be a loss for them next year at the polls. All right, everyone. Thank you for stopping in. Hope uh, hope I was able to disseminate a little bit of information to you and I wasn't too awfully boring. Um, if you have any comments for me, you can always leave them at the website. The website happens to be www.overlookpodcast.net. You should be able to find all the episodes up there. You should also be able to find all the episodes on any service that's going to have podcasts. I know Spotify is going to be one of them as well. So hope you all have a fun and safe Thanksgiving week slash weekend. Hope everyone enjoys seeing all their classmates at their local bar. And I hope uh, there aren't too many fights at the table over politics, unless you're at my house. And then you just get crazy talk from my dad, which is worth the trip in and of itself. Thank you for stopping by. Enjoy. Be safe.